0: Welcome to Edwards Beyond the Test, a podcast that goes behind the scenes of the flight test mission at Edwards Air Force Base. I'm Don Waldman from the 412 Test Wing Public Affairs. Explosive Ordnance Disposal Technicians, EODs, they're the brave specialists who serve as the Air Force's bomb squad and are assigned to some of the most dangerous missions around the world. Today, we'll go behind the test as we go behind the scenes of the Edwards EOD Flight. It is my pleasure to introduce the Superintendent of the Edwards EOD Flight, Senior Master Sergeant Diana Kramer. Thank you so much for joining us today, and thank you for your many years of service.
1: No, thanks, Don. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm excited to to be on the, the podcast and to talk about um, how awesome my team is here at Edwards and what they do for Edwards Air Force Base.
0: Well, Air Force-wide and perhaps even DOD-wide, the EOD flight is a very small team, and it takes very special people to do this kind of work. Senior Kramer, tell us about your Edwards EOD team.
1: Honestly, I'm going to humble brag on my team a little bit and other EOD uh flight chiefs and flight leads might throw some shade at me but I think I have the best team. Um these guys they do they have um a pretty unique mission. They provide support uh where needed to different test programs that are here. Um they they go out and clear the the precision impact range that we have here on Edwards. They clear the east side and the west side. So in the spring we clear The east side and in the summer or in the fall we clear the west um they also provide support to the air force research lab they blow up a lot of their uh explosives that they're using that they experiment with up there and conduct tests on and then when they're done with that and it's you know left over the our guys will blow that up and it's kind of a unique capability that we have here um it's the epa permitted range Uh, the guys also provide support to the secret service um, quite frequently although right now because of coronavirus not a whole lot of TDYs but right as the coronavirus craziness was kicking off we actually had a team um in New York City providing support to the presidential um private residence and um they also we also um deployed downrange too i think a lot of people think oh edwards test like did they really have a deployment mission and maybe some units don't but we definitely do we just had several individuals come back from Africa And then we've got several more individuals who will be uh, deploying in the near future.
0: Wow. As you just stated, the mission of the Edwards Explosive Ordnance Disposal Unit is quite diversified. So how many airmen do you have on your team, and what are their ranks?
1: Uh, Right now, I have 22 people, including myself. Um, So myself, I have three master sergeants, um, four tech sergeants. i got a whole ton of young staff sergeants who are motivated and running around here. Senior Airman, and I think I've got one A1C. He's all by himself, <laughs> alone and unafraid. So we like to tease that he takes out the trash.
0: In addition to supporting the Edwards mission, you know, your team has deployed to other bases to offer support. And one situation that comes to mind is not too long ago when an F 16 crashed at nearby March Air Reserve Base. Tell us what the Edwards EOD did in support of that mission.
1: So the March team, they have about six active duty eod guys down there active guard reserve is what their agrs is what they're called and when you have an f-16 crash like that it usually turns into because i think it crashed in the afternoon the day prior i want to say around like 1600 and it turns into a long process and um, there's all kinds of explosive components on a on a aircraft even if it's not carrying weapon systems it's the whole ejection system has explosive components as part of it. Um, So it went down, and the the March team, as the night kind of was rolling on, they were like, you know what, we're going to need supplementary support. So the call went out, and I think we got the call around 3 a.m., and, you know, the guys jumped in the truck and ran down there, and and they they helped them, you know, clear the site of any explosive components because you want to go in there, you know remove any explosive components that might pose a hazard to the accident invest the, the investigation team that's going to investigate the accident and so they they went down there and they searched around and they they removed the explosive components and they actually the really the safest way to um to get rid of explosives is to blow them up with more explosives so they went, they went down there and they you know they collected up they searched for collected all the hazards and blew them up
0: Well, Senior Kramer, additionally, the Edwards EOD flight is sometimes asked to support surrounding communities when people might discover possible and sometimes real explosives, so on, things like that. Can you tell us what that's like and what you guys do to support communities?
1: Um, So when it comes to um, military munitions, if it's a U.S. or foreign suspected or confirmed military munition, the military has a responsibility because it was a DOD regardless of what's where, because you can't really, I mean, you can't expect someone to be like, oh, that came from the Army. They don't know on the scene. So they'll call it in and, you know, they'll request our support and we'll go out and we'll take care of that. So it looks, it always looks a little bit different um, (laughs) depending, like we had one where there was a traffic stop and the individual had a grenade and that was for, I think that was in Roseman. It was Kern County Sheriff we were supporting, you know, a grenade in the back of his car. So we got called for that. And then in California City recently, Um, some uh, family I believe it was they had you know they were out on an evening walk and they had discovered a UXO so they reported it to Cal City Police who called us and said you know hey we got a a possible explosive so the team goes out and they evaluate it and You know, uh, like I said, the safest way is to usually just blow it up if you if you have a safe area in which to do that.
0: Well, we want to leave that to the pros like you. You know, it's fascinating to hear to hear about the incredible work performed by the Edwards EOD flight. But now let's talk about how y'all all all got to this point. You know, there's got to be tools of the trade. It's just not blowing things up. There's got a lot of training and technology. And these are highly skilled individuals.
1: Absolutely. And there it's changing at the speed of technology um it, although maybe not as fast as i would hope sometimes uh there's some really great ideas out there you know when i first came in we had a metal detector that was really cumbersome and difficult to work with and it would it would detect ferrous ordnance so anything with a magnetic signature and um now we have metal, they're not just metal detectors. Like it, it has ground penetrating radar and it makes, it almost makes like a turkey gobble sound, <laughs> which probably sounds weird when I say it makes that turkey gobble sound. It it tells you, you can tell by the sound that it's making, that there's a change in the density of the soil and that potentially something's there. And so things like that, you know, the x-ray technology, we use x-ray technology in EOD. um you know, the best way to to tell if something is genuinely, this is an improvised explosive device is to x-ray it. Uh, Well, except maybe not in Iraq and Afghanistan theaters of operation. But, um, you know, like, let's say they get a bomb threat somewhere and the team can go there and x-ray, whether it's a backpack or a gym bag. And that way too, it prevents, like, if it is someone that just forgot their gym bag, we shoot an x-ray and we can see, okay, it's just somebody's, you know, workout shorts and dirty shoes. And we don't have to, you know, take it and and blow it up, or you X-ray it. So, an X-ray technology has, since I've been in, you know, really rapidly improved. Um, there's we have we have so many tools. I mean, I could go on for days about all of our our fancy tools. And then explosive um, properties and techniques. Um, when we blow stuff up, it's not just oh, dump C4 on top of it. Um, there there's a science behind it. Depending on what it is that you want to achieve. Um, you know, explosive properties and effects is important because our job's not just, oh, blow stuff up. It's to protect personnel and property. So, you know, it's to, you know, keep everybody safe, but also limit damage if you can. And believe it or not, depending on how you apply explosives and, you know, knowing the science behind how an explosive wave propagates, um, you can you can minimize damage while still, um, well, minimize or mitigate damage while still... Um, you know, doing it the safest way possible. So, and then we have explosive operated tools that really do some <laughs> some pretty incredible things. So, um, you, you know, I think I think people would be surprised to know just how much we train, and then we train on, especially here at Edwards, we train on the, the local ordinance that we support. You know, um, it's really there's a lot that goes into it. Very very specialized skill. A lot of really. Um, complicated stuff i mean there's they're always learning always learning and always improving and always you know new technology comes out and they're they're new techniques you know we learn new things and um, it's really i mean the guys really dedicate a lot of time to their craft
0: you know you recently you told me that when it comes to eod one must think of it as an insurance policy what did you mean by that
1: so what i mean by that is um uh if you have like if you're a homeowner you want a good insurance policy in case something um, something happens, right? Something not great—windstorm, like hail, fire, earthquake, flood, things of that nature. So you don't always want to use your insurance policy, and sometimes you're like, "Oh, we got to pay for this. We got to buy them a new robot." You know, we got to, yeah. um, as an example. But when when you need to use that insurance policy, you want a good one. And I always apply that to the EOD flight. Like, you don't always use your EOD flight every day. To mitigate explosive hazards so we do spend a lot of time training because we don't get to put our craft to work uh, in application every single day so we have to train for that um, and again you don't always want to use your EOD flight but when you do like that insurance policy you want a good one so it does behoove to make sure that you know you're enabling their training and being understanding of just how much training needs to go into it
0: The EOD mission is unique and rare, and in this job, it takes an incredible person who is willing to go into the heated battle to defuse bombs to save others. In just a moment, we'll find out why today's guest chose this career field. Welcome back to Edwards' Beyond the Test. Our guest today is Senior Master Sergeant Diana Kramer, who is the superintendent of the Edwards Explosive Ordnance Disposal Flight. Well, Senior Kramer, you have been in the Air Force for nearly eighteen years now. When you were younger, you actually lived right here at Edwards Air Force Base for a time. So take us back to that time and then tell us what led to your joining the air Force
1: so um I guess in a in a weird, maybe not a weird way, my um, Air Force journey started here at at Edwards. My stepdad was in the Air Force here at Edwards and we lived here for about three years. Um when I was I think like second, third grade and right here in the Antelope Valley. Um it's really crazy to you know, we drive by, you know, where we used to live all the time. We're like, wow, we used to live there. <laughs> That's crazy. And and then when he separated we moved up north and um uh I think it, it was after high school and I was you know, I had I'd gotten actually my EMT license and But I was kind of, um, I don't know, directionless. Like I hadn't, you know, decided on a career. I was working two jobs. And I don't want to say going nowhere, but I wasn't going anywhere very fast. So, you know, and my stepdad really started on this, like, hey, you know, maybe join the Air Force. Like it will give you a sense of purpose. You can do, you should do something medical so you have a trade when you get out. And um uh, so he was really encouraging me to do that. And I was, you know, kind of thinking about it. And I don't know, like, I think I was, I think he took me to a re- he took me to one recruiter and this guy just, he wasn't, you know, I don't want to say it's like that moment in the movie avatar when he gets on that like horse thing and they, they have the braid and they, you know, when it's right, it's right. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> like it just wasn't right. You know? And, um, and then he took me to a different recruiter and he was speaking my language. Like, that guy should get a raise (laughs) because of his job is to get people in the air force. He did it. Um, and you know, talking to him, he's like, tell you what, let's check out, you know, let's do the, the, take your ASVAB, see, see what you qualify for. So took the ASVAB, I guess I scored pretty decently and, um, I had a lot of things were on the table and, um, you know, he starts going through that. He's like, Oh, EOD, you qualify for that. And I'm like, Oh, what's that? And he's like, Oh, I got a DVD for it. And he throws in this DVD, and they're driving robots and they're blowing stuff up. And I was like, You know what? I want to do that. So <laughs> when I, here's my stepdad was expecting me to come out and be I'm like, Oh, I'm going to be a dental Technician or I'm going to an open medical or something like that. And I walk out and I'm like, I'm going to be EOD. And he's just like, What on earth were you thinking? You know, I don't think anybody's parents. Are ever thrilled if they're when they come home and mom dad I'm gonna go be you know I'm gonna work with explosives that was in a post 9 11 world when I went to I think when I entered the delayed enlistment program was April 19th 2002 so you know 9 11 had already happened we were in Afghanistan um, you know and actually when I was at EOD school I remember watching shock and awe the invasion of Iraq on on the news while we were sitting there eating in the in the is i believe it's called a galley because it's a navy school um like oh gosh <laughs> guess where we're going soon <laughs>
0: Yes. So you didn't pursue that medical career your family was encouraging you to do, and instead <laughs> were drawn to EOD career field. And looking back 18 years, nearly 18 years, it was more so then than it is now a male-dominated career field. And you recently mentioned that at one time you were sort of told that women didn't belong in EOD, and, well, no doubt you faced some challenging times. So tell us about this as well as how you persevered and overcame this challenge.
1: Women were definitely in the minority, uh, when I was at EOD school, it was mostly, uh, males. Like maybe there was one or two ladies per class, if that. Um, and then when you get out to the field, you know, you're usually, you were the only female in your flight. Um, maybe if you got lucky, you had another, another lady there for a little bit. Um, which I have, I've had that over the years and I've worked with some great women. Um, but yeah, when I got to my first, uh, unit, (laughs) I, that was the first time it kind of like slapped me in the face, I guess metaphorically, um, that, you know, someone had such intense emotions about women being in this job, and that was a little shocking to me, um, but I had a supervisor who I'm still in touch with to this day, and he was just like, hey, you're going to have to work twice as hard to get half the respect, but just, you know, do it, you know, just work, just don't worry about what people are saying and just work hard and, and do what you do. And I, you know, obviously I took that to heart. And then when, when Iraq was getting hot and I was, Hey, send me to Iraq. I want to go to Iraq. I want to go to Iraq. And an army EOD guy asked me like, why would you want to go to Iraq? Like, do you know what's going on there? And I said, you know, Hey, as a female, I can't afford not to, you know, not to do that, not to, I can't, if all the guys are going, why not me? You know, like, if they can do it, why, why special that I, that I shouldn't be, that I should be hanging out, you know, in, in Escon village or, or, or Diego Garcia? Um, why not Iraq? Why not Afghanistan? And I got my wish. I, I went to, I deployed to Iraq the first time in two, early 2006 um I learned a lot on that one from all kinds of things like it was it was very developmental in a lot of ways um but I think it was just you know hard work and one thing I always did is when people you know when they accuse you of oh you you promote yo oh, you just got promoted cuz you were a woman or whatever things like that you know I I always looked to my left and my right at my male counterparts that I went to EOD school with and I'm like nope you know I didn't I I promoted you know, with them or sometimes in some cases behind them, you know, one individual he was, and I kind of use them as my, you know, if I'm on track with them, then I'm not excelling. If I'm way ahead of my peers, sure, but I'm not, I'm right on track with them. I have the same amount of deployments to the same locations. We have the same awards and decorations. Um, You know, we promoted roughly at the same time. Um, Like my friend Jordan, he graduated UD school after me and we made, staff at the same time, tech at the same time. He made master the year before me. And then I think he made senior like two years before me. So I'm like, hey, but no one no one points to him and says, oh, he's getting promoted because he's a guy. It's just, no, Jordan works hard. So when people, and it's rare, but it still happens when people say that to me. I, I You know, I point to my male counterparts and I'm like, well, what what do you say about him? You know, even though they, as you encounter things like that, there's, still things that come from being a female in this career field that actually end up being um, kind of an advantage and like one of those and it's maybe it's weird like leading guys because sometimes they come to me with things I think they wouldn't be willing to share with like a male supervisor Uh, you know and I've had that like I've gotten sometimes they call me mom not these guys here but like at a previous assignment they would call me mom and I'm like okay they need something if they're if they're sending me a text and saying mom I need to talk you know, they were going through something personal or they needed advice on something. And I think they, in some instances, it, it allows me, you know, they just feel more comfortable talking to me about things, certain certain subjects. And that can be an advantage, you know, having that. So
0: so uh, let me ask you this question, because I, I think um a lot of people, when they meet somebody with EOD, they want to ask this question, so I will. Do you remember the very first time you diffused a real explosive device, and what was that like?
1: Mm, so... There's, I think there's kind of, like, two that stand out. Like, the first time, because, like, in EOD school, you go out and you you blow stuff up. Like, they bring out ordnance that, um, for training purposes, and you blow it up. And that's, I mean, that was a lot of fun. But, like, when you're talking about the first time you encounter an explosive and in kind of an, an unknown or um, unsafe condition, it was right after I got to my first base um, and they had found some dynamite had been discovered, and it was in an unsafe condition. It was... Um, and had crystallized and those crystals are very very uh sensitive and it was it was, pretty, it was like I'd only been there a couple of weeks and I'm like all right we're going like the whole a lot the, almost the whole shop went out and we blew up like three cases of dynamite and it was it was so cool it was like oh this is cool like I'm actually getting to apply the skills I have and then like I think Iraq is definitely the first time that I'd encountered any kind of improvised explosive device where you got to like disarm it and In a weird, I don't want to say it was exciting, but in a weird way, it was kind of exciting. Um, Like, okay, here I am, and I'm going to make a difference, and, you know, my, how I drive this robot and, you know, tear this IED apart, um, you know, it can do two things. One, it keeps my team leader safe. It keeps, you know, the people who travel on this route safe, and we can collect some evidence, and hopefully that'll lead to a bomb maker being uh, caught, so, it was, it was kind of like I was just really excited to be there, and, and I guess pulling my weight and making a difference, like, what I see is a tangible difference, because like, I don't look at it. I never look at it from a political standpoint. I look at it from like the, I'm keeping my job is to make sure that the guy to my left and my right go home.
0: The story of your career is so so inspirational, and congratulations on all you've achieved thus far. Do you have any advice for our listeners who are now inspired and want to also be part of the U.S. Air Force, and hey, even perhaps an EOD flight?
1: Be brave, jump in with both feet, and what I tell people, especially who are like, they, when they're thinking about EOD, and some sometimes you encounter people who are like, oh, Bob, but what if I fail? But what if you don't try? I think I think it's better to try and fail than to not try at all. So, I mean, and that's that's how you that's how you grow and and is to be put yourself in uncomfortable situations. Like a comfort zone is a beautiful place, but nothing ever grows there. And it's the same for human beings. Like you can just kind of stay in this little you know this comfortable little zone or you can push yourself and when you're uncomfortable and you push yourself and you stretch your limits that's when you really find out where you're capable of and you know if you're thinking about it like i say definitely look into it you know see what it's all about see if it's something for you and then don't be afraid of failure like just be afraid of not trying
0: from diffusing bombs to diffusing emotional situations we'll explain that in a moment Welcome back to Edwards Beyond the Test. Our guest today is Senior Master Sergeant Diana Kramer, who is the superintendent of the Edwards Explosive Ordnance Disposal Flight. In addition to the full workload associated with your job with the Edwards EOD flight, you are also pursuing your master's in psychology degree, and that is awesome. Tell us, why did you choose to get this degree?
1: So, I, so my bachelor's is in psychology as well, and what drove me to that was... I'm going to give you the clip notes version, right? It was right after my divorce. I was in Laos supporting a defense personnel, personnel accounting agency recovery mission. They go to Laos and Vietnam and other, you know, other uh, previous war zones. And they, we, they're we they searching for and trying to recover the remains of individuals who were listed as mis- missing in action. So while I was in Laos, uh, you know, digging in the dirt and finding healing, I also did a lot of soul-searching and I was like, oh, yep, you know what, if I'm going to go to – because I said when I joined the Air Force I wanted to get a degree. And it's like, okay, it's time to buckle down and get that degree. And I, when I thought about what I what I was drawn to, what I had a passion for, you know, psychology, the study of human behavior. Um, and then, like, I just – I enjoy it. So it's like, hey, if you're going to do something, do it because you're passionate about it. And, you know, don't do it because you think it, it might be, oh, do business because maybe you can use that when you get out. No, I say do something you're passionate about and then find a way to make it work for you. And so, I, and, and then that in my experiences too, at that point, I think I'd had four combat deployments and I saw the value of helping people through trauma to get that post-traumatic growth. And so I got my uh, bachelor's in psychology. And then when I arrived at Edwards, and he's since PCS, but Major Hooker, he was the mental health flight commander. And I met him and he was like, oh, I know a... Uh, a volunteer opportunity you're going to love. It was the Tragedy Assistance Program for Survivors, and they they assist bereaved military families to get that post-traumatic growth, um, and they provide all kinds of resources. But where I uh, uh, dedicate my time with that organization is Good Grief Camps, working with the bereaved children who've lost a parent or other family member who was in the military, and it doesn't matter what the loss looks like. And so my degree, my master's degree, is a master's in psychology, developmental psychology with an emphasis in, in child psychology. And part of that is because I, I do enjoy working with these kiddos. And when, when Major Hooker, when I went to my first Good Grief camp with him, um, he was talking about the National Suicide Survivor Camp and how sometimes they had difficulty getting military mentors to to volunteer for that. And I was like, you know, I'd, I'd experienced a loss to suicide when I was young. So I was like, yep, like I feel like I can relate with these kids. And, you know, they just need someone to be there. And that's it. Like I think people get a little bit intimidated by it. And really sometimes it's just you're just coming alongside them and and taking this journey with them. Um, but you're coming along and you're just being there as a source of, you know, strength and someone they can rely on. And it's, it's really powerful. And you'd be surprised, like, whenever I come back from a TAPS event, like, I just feel so rejuvenated because I know that the work that I did was so impactful for these kiddos.
0: Well, previously, Senior Kramer, you mentioned that when you retire from the Air Force, you want to pursue social work. And so that's, this is all playing into that for you
1: like I tell people kind of like live your, like your passion and find ways to make it all work together. Um, So like my volunteer work is something that I'm passionate about. Like my school work is something that I'm passionate about and it complements my volunteer work and my volunteer work complements my school work. So it's, you know, I kind of find a way to blend it. And I just, I think it's important to help, um, you know, the people that are most in need. And um, sometimes I think that gets I don't know forgotten about.
0: <laughs> it's like you're going to go from diffusing bombs to diffusing emotional situations.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do.
0: <laughs> well, Senior Kramer, in the brief time that I've been fortunate to spend with you, it is obvious that you never take an easy route. You like that challenge, don't you?
1: I do. Um it just I like I said, I think I said it earlier, you know, if you don't step out of that comfort zone, you're never going to find out what you're truly capable of accomplishing. When you stay in that comfort zone too and you don't find out what you're truly capable of accomplishing, what scares me most is not having an impact, um, a positive impact. And If you stay in that comfort zone, yeah, it's comfortable and it's not scary, and, but are you really having an impact on, on, on yourself? On the people around you, on the world, on society—are you genuinely making things better? Um, so I would, like I said, I challenge people to step outside of that comfort zone, uh, and you know, be afraid of not trying. That's what you should be afraid of. Don't be afraid of failure. I don't, and I'm not sure there's, you know, you, you hear all these inspirational quotes about like, oh, there's, you know, you don't fail, you learn. And I think there's something to that. And I think um, sometimes we get a little too hung up on the f-word failure. It's—is it really a failure, or did you learn something? to do better next time because no one's perfect so
0: many thanks to today's guests senior master sergeant diana kramer for taking time out to share her story and taking us beyond the test we invite our listeners to submit their suggestions for future episodes by sending us an email at beyondtest at 412 tw.us thanks to all for joining us i'm dawn Waldman for edwards beyond the test